Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Oh man, here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying coworker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. This uh, is HawkFanatic.com, brought to you by Patrick Eads and his staff at Deary Brothers Ford on Mormon Trek. Steve Anderson, Hawkeye Title and Settlement. Mike's lock, e-keys for cars. <clears throat> I am screwed up today. I've got, I don't know what I got. You got head colds and stuff I got going something on. going on. Uh, Mike's e-keys for cars. GT Car and his crew at Supel's Building and Remodeling. Supel's Flowers, home of 1-800-800-ROSE. The Midtown Family Restaurants. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, 101 South Dubuque Street, downtown Iowa City. The Sanctuary Pub on South Gilbert, Premier Automotive in North Liberty, the Oxyoke Inn in the Amanas, Streets Maintenance, Wild Rose Casino in Clinton, Dirk Sterner Taxidermy, and Dr. Lance Forbes Diamond Dental in Cedar Rapids. I will yield the floor to uh, Tom Suter, Pat Hardy from hawkfanatic.com, and here's Coach Don Patterson. Well, Coach... Um Let's just start off by saying uh, Iowa Northwestern set offensive football back to the 1920s. <laughs> Your thoughts yeah. on, on Saturday's game? Well, I guess you might suggest that Bruce Stevens had a three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth. There you I guess. go. <laughs> we'll, we'll take Ten it, seven though. Sounds a little bit like a baseball score, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But, hey, like a, uh, my neighbor said to me, a win is a win. They're 7-2. and two. They control true. their own destiny. I'll tell you what, though, Don, I watched – that Rutgers-Ohio State game, and yeah, Ohio State ended up winning 35-16. The score was a lot closer. They were down at half. Rutgers is way more physical than I thought they were. Their running game yeah. and their offensive line. Yeah, I said even a week or two ago, I think the game that might be the most difficult to win going forward is going to be Rutgers. Uh, and I realize every week the team you're playing appears to be a difficult assignment. Uh, and we'll feel that way about about Illinois and about Nebraska, too. Uh, but um, Rutgers, I said a while back in time, they typically require you to, to beat them. They don't beat mm-hmm. themselves very often. Uh, and it is impressive what they did against Ohio State. The, the analytics on that game were very even. I'll give you an example of what's a little bit of a surprise. They outgained Ohio State to mm-hmm. begin with, 361 to 326. They also outrushed Ohio State. 
Uh, and the obvious question is how did they manage to lose the game? I think one big uh, difference was the red zone performance. Yeah. Ohio State was down there four times and scored a touchdown in all four. Rutgers was down there six times, believe it or not. But they only had three field goals and one touchdown to show for it. So they averaged two and a half points per red zone opportunity versus versus uh, um, the other guys Seven. averaging averaging 6.0. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't figure PATs into it. Oh, I just okay. figure touchdowns versus field goals versus figures. So uh, they're not likely to beat themselves. We're going to have to go out and beat them. Their quarterback is an absolute dual threat. He's a good runner. Yes, he uh, is. We got a little bit of a taste of that on, on Saturday against Northwestern. That's one thing that helped Northwestern to get back in the game is they they involved the quarterback more as a runner in the second half. And um, as a result of that, of course, they ended up playing their backup quarterback a few snaps just because their starter was getting beaten up. Uh, but Wimsett's a good runner and a good passer. Uh, Manange is a, a good running back. Yes, he, he, ran for a, he ran for 159 yards against Ohio State. That's his third straight uh, triple-digit game. Um, their defense is solid. Their kicking game is solid. Um, you know, we have to go out and beat them. Uh, they're not going to surrender. They're not going to stub their toe. Uh, they're not likely to do that. They're, they're well-coached, and, and you have to find a way to – to beat them they don't beat themselves you know watching that ohio state rutgers game i thought one of the big differences too and when it really mattered is ohio state's five-star recruits and what travion henderson marvin harris they just made a bunch of really good physical plays and to me that's what the difference was ohio state just had better players when uh-huh. it mattered but as far as just the whole game itself i like you said don i mean rutgers was physical their front seven on defense and I mean, Greg Schiano's a good coach. I mean, it's obvious he's a good coach. What do you, so what do you think if you're Greg Schiano with Iowa's – what do you think his game plan is going to be coming in here knowing that the Iowa offense is really struggling? If you're him, what, what are you doing? Well, I would think they would um, take steps to try to make us a one-dimensional offense. And by that, I mean, much as much as Minnesota did, uh, try to neutralize any run game we might have and, and dare us to beat them through the air. Uh, incidentally, the, the forecast for Saturday is a high of 52 uh, northwest winds, but not very strong. Maybe 10 miles an hour winds. Perfect. So it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good November day to be out there playing. Isn't it supposed to be in the 70s today? It's almost humid outside. What's the high? Yeah, 68. 68. Okay, I'll turn my air on later. It's gonna get hot. I might do a little sunbathing later. And there you go. Lucky Ann. Oh, yeah. natural. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, Don. Um, Let's. I kind of want to go all over the place. But how about Brett Bielema helping his alma mater? Thank you, you. Thank you, Brett. What do you think of that, Don? I mean, what a huge uh, win for Illinois. Well, PJ has a, a recurring habit of stealing defeat from the jaws of victory. He does. Yeah, they, uh, that's another game that defies the odds in many ways. Uh, Minnesota's notorious for being part of those games, it seems like. Let me just look right quick. Well, yeah. while you're looking, Don, it's so strange. They put in their backup quarterback, Illinois, and he completes passes that, if Iowa was able to do that, fans would be crying in the streets. They'd be so happy. And we'd be a top 10 football Yeah, I mean, team. this backup just comes in and just, I mean, boom, they're down the field just like that. Yeah, he's three for three. He comes in without much notice, of course. At the end of the game, the game's on the line. His first snap, I think, was fourth and 11 or something, so he throws for 15. <laughs> and then he completed the next two. And, and after the game, now I will admit, he – uh, he has any number of starts under his belt. I think he's a fifth or sixth year player. He does. He's experienced. 
Yeah, he's experienced, and he showed it. He, he did a good job. They even talked about the, the touchdown pass. The obvious question is how did they – there was less than a minute on the clock. I think, it, I think they scored with 50 seconds left, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and he said, he said, well, we were confident we're going to get cover two. And um, I think Williams is his name, right? Yes. The little yep. receiver that's so yep. good. Uh-huh. And he said, uh, he told me, he alerted me, he said, I'm going to be open, splitting those safeties. So he said, all I did, I concentrated on looking off that far safety. Uh, and that made for a little wider seam down through the middle of the field there. And they threw it up and over the defense. I mean, uh, shame on PJ for being in two deep coverage. I would... I would recommend you better be in three deep or four deep at that point in the game um, because there's too big a gap there between those half players. The backup in that little sequence threw for more yards than Deacon Hill did, but I don't. we don't need to keep kicking the offense while it's down. But, Don, afterwards it was funny, P.J., I was listening to his post-game press conference, and he kept, hey, this is on me, this is on me. Then he would proceed to point out all these different things what the players did wrong it was so but then he but then he go but again this is on me and then he would go back to saying but you know we had the I, I don't know it was just kind of funny I mean that that's a huge win for Illinois and it's big for Iowa so okay um it's almost a perfect day for Iowa as far as results go. yeah because Wisconsin lost and um I wa- did you watch any of that Indiana Wisconsin game Yes, I did. I was not surprised. I mean, I picked Indiana to win. You did? I was impressed. I'm telling you, Wisconsin's Wisconsin's offense is not as bad as Iowa's, but it's not good, and their defense and special teams aren't as good as Iowa's. Is that fair to say, Dunn? Yeah, they miss miss Braylon, that's for sure. He's he's an outstanding running back, and their their backup is simply not that good. Let's let's not forget that the number two running back is out for the year also. Yes, Malusi. Yes. So they go down to number three, and – and he's he's a big strong guy, but he is not to be con- confused with Braylon Allen. He's not in the same league at all. No, and I their quarterbacks of redshirt freshman. He's streaky. He's they're just not very good right now. Injuries have hit them hard, like they have Iowa. But I just think Iowa's got a better defense and special teams. No, Torrey wasn't great Saturday. He, he wasn't. But he averaged still, thirty-nine yards. Still pulled out a but win. But they somehow. still pulled out a win. Yeah. And I'll tell you, Drew Stevens. How did the SEC teams let him get away? I know I'm using hindsight because Iowa didn't even offer him a scholarship, but how does a kicker like that, though, get out of South Carolina in that area when he's got this t- – I mean, I mean, the kid's incredible. Well, when he was a high school senior, of course, you look at him and you're thinking, how can this guy hit a, hit a field goal from any kind of distance? Because at the time, of course, he, he was skinny. Maybe, wasn't, maybe wasn't shaving too often at the time, <laughs> I think. He's probably now to the point where he has to shave every other day at least rather than once a week. Uh, but Drew's got he's got nerves of steel. He really does. He does. Uh, you know, to me, this said it all. I was in awe before he went out there. He's sitting there spinning a football on his finger, and I'm thinking, that alone tells me he's ready to kick it because that's hard to do. I don't think if you put a gun in my head and said, okay, spin a football on the end of your, of your index finger, I wouldn't be able to do it. You just have to shoot me. Wasn't that uh, impressive? It was. It really, it really told me this guy. He's got a little pregame ritual, and and uh, or, I'm sorry, during the game even a, a ritual before he kicks. And one way, I guess, to relieve stress is simply to spin a ball on your finger while you're getting ready. But but uh, he he's a very confident young man, and, and obviously Kirk's got great confidence in him because let's face it, even when we were uh, even three plays before we kicked the field goal. Uh, our offense was very content just to maybe mush the ball forward for a few more yards here and there. Uh, so the message was clear enough. 52 yards is no big deal for, for Drew. He, he'll get it there without any problem. With ease. Uh, and, he'll, and and let's say this, too. 
I've always used that term, split the uprights. I've always told my kickers, now, I don't know much about place kicking, but I do know this. If it's not down the middle, you should be analyzing why not. Uh, that ball was absolutely down the yes, middle. Yes, it was. It was. Uh, just a wonderful kick and a, and a very deserving young man to be able to get that done. Uh, and let's not forget, it comes down to a snapper and a holder also, not yep. to mention protection. It's all good. It's all good. There are no weak links in our field goal unit. None. Yeah, I mean, I wrote a, a piece today. It's some. I mean, I know we appreciate the defense and the special teams and what have you, but there's so much focus on the offense that sometimes I, I don't. We don't necessarily. They get overlooked at times. You they lose take, track of how good the just how good the defense and yep. special teams are because everybody's fretting over the offense. You see that, Don? But I mean, I mean, Phil Parker. I wouldn't trade him for any defensive coordinator in college football right now. I think he's the best at what he does. Yeah, let's face it. One of the keys. The Saturday's win was simply the fact that our red zone defense is better than theirs. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got one huge stop. Think of this, first and goal at the two-yard line, and after four snaps, they gained about five feet. Uh, that's it. You yeah. Know, and and uh, you've heard me say before, you better think long and hard before you sneak on fourth and inches uh, because it's going to be a huge pileup and in defense of the, that line judge and that head linesman, it's hard to identify for sure that the ball broke the plane, you know, because there's a lot of bodies yeah. in there. And uh, we got a really nice surge up front. Uh, you know, we defended it well. We were, I think, a little bit fortunate that the, the ground there was a little bit unsteady behind the, behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, so I think that might have helped us a little bit. Maybe the ground was softer on their side of the ball than it was on ours, it appeared at least. Um, you know, and that's another reason why you shouldn't play a – a football game in a baseball stadium. You know, it's just an odd fit any way you put it. I, I couldn't help but think this way. It was a novelty, for sure, for our fans, of course. And, and uh, the, the number I heard was we outnumbered them 80 to 20. Um, you know, we had four times what they had at the game, maybe. Uh, and it's hard to imagine if it would have been played in Evanston that the disparity would have been quite that large. It seemed like we were uh, a little more likely to be there because it was a novelty of playing a game at Wrigley. Yeah, Kirk made his feelings known afterwards that he would have preferred not to play on a baseball field, and I get it. I, I, I agree with him. It just I, I know they're doing it because it's something different or what have you, but, man, you would think Northwestern – I know it's hard to show a lot of creativity and imagination from the one-yard line, but they didn't – I mean, they just – okay, we're going to try this. You know, it was just – they kept going into the teeth of that, and they, their line wasn't getting any surge. No. And they just kept trying well, it over and over. Yeah, you might recall though on a fourth and one, they actually pitched the ball on a, on a toss play to the to the short side of the field and gained three yards with it. Uh, I'm talking about the goal line stand. No, I'm yeah, I'm talking about an earlier okay, down, okay, yeah, yeah, an earlier fourth and one. It might have been on the same drive. Uh, maybe not. Let's see when that fourth. I wonder why they wouldn't have tried that. At, were you wonder why they wouldn't have tried that at the end zone? It just seemed like he was determined to go through the teeth of that. Iowa defense and the Iowa defensive line is just I mean it's playing so well right now. Other you take out the Penn State game and the defense has been rock solid every game this year so far. Yeah. That fourth and one incidentally was on that same drive. Uh of course we got we got a uh, uh an out of the ordinary line drive punt out of Tory. Uh their punt returner did a great job of returning. AJ Henney. Yeah, they they had the ball on the twenty two yard line on fourth and one on the plus sixteen. Uh, they ran a toss left for three yards on that same drive, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was the same drive. But incidentally, that was an 18-play drive. 18-play drive that produced no points. Uh, and you've always heard me say uh, our defense understands how to how to defend the fields. You know, all eyes are on the football. They they, they typically have uh, 11 players that are all trained on the ball, and they understand the leverage they have to have on the football. Yep. There's, you never give a, a ball carrier a two-way go. You know, you always try to sandwich in between two tacklers, and we did a good job of that. And um, it's just it's pretty amazing that they could could uh, sustain a drive 18 plays. Let's give them uh, – I'll take that back. That was um, – that was the – yeah, that's right. That's the same drive. Yeah. Yeah, the, the short drive was the touchdown for them, of course, mm-hmm. so after the punt return. I'm yep. getting the two mm-hmm. two possessions confused. Uh, they drove the ball for 18 plays. I think it was 66 yards maybe, something like that. Uh, took oh, nine minutes or more to do it, but it produced no points. So the bottom line is we kept them out of the end zone. So, Don, is it a coincidence that they used Cooper DeGene not much on offense, but used him and that Caleb Brown caught his first pass and it was huge coming off a bye week? Do you think they did some extra preparing, or is it just a coincidence that it happened in this game, the bye week had nothing to do with it? No, I think the bye week had a little bit to do with it. Okay. Uh, It gave our guys a chance to consider, let's have this serious debate, do we involve Cooper on the offense? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I was hoping for a third and a fourth play. So was I. Mm-hmm. So was I. Yeah. Use them while but, you can. But at least, but at least uh, and, and and the nice thing about it, uh, we gave him the ball in a fly sweep. That's not even the typical fly sweep where you where you hand the ball to him close to the line of scrimmage. We handed it to him deep in the backfield, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were we were in the gun and we actually handed it behind us to him. And he got seven yards. Um, mm-hmm. Second longest run yeah. of the first half for Iowa. Yeah, and, and I couldn't help but notice, too, one argument for doing that, of course, is it gives you an extra blocker. The offset running back was LeSean on that play, and I'm not going to beat up on LeSean here, but it's just it's just a, the true true fact of what happened. LeSean didn't hit anybody on that play. Uh, I think he was surprised that Cooper ran as wide as he did, so the path he took to try to become a lead blocker was a little bit too far inside. He ended up being out of position to block anyone. Uh, so basically, Cooper kind of did that pretty much on his own. Uh, and uh, and the nice thing about the very next play, of course, is Cooper was used as a decoy. decoy it would yeah. not have been not have been too hard to imagine that we might just flip the play and run it to the other side, and that's what it appeared to be. But of course, it was uh, Cooper was strictly a decoy on the on the next play, and and that gave us uh, one of our 14 first downs. And and um, that may not sound great to generate 14 first downs. But that was two more than they had. And uh, incidentally, that's a stat that's good to have on your side, too, is an edge on first downs because it ties into, it ties into uh, time of possession. You know, you're, you're able to grind out first downs here and there, or maybe they're explosive plays. Uh, but in this game, are you kidding? There was one explosive play for the day. Yeah. And, and I will admit, I, it, had not, it had not occurred to me. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, who in God's name is 81? Uh, Me I didn't too. He switched jerseys. <laughs> yeah, they had to because well, I assume because Cooper was playing yeah. off. Yeah, right. Because that's the same I number. Help but notice he was wearing number three earlier in the game. Yeah, and he did make a nice catch, and he fought for a few extra yards that proved huge. Huge. And I did get a funny text message. Somebody asked me the pass from Deacon Hill to Caleb Brown. Would you rank that up there with Hartley to Cook and Warren Holloway? And then <laughs> he was joking, but he said he goes, you know, for this team. And it's, for that game. And for that game, it's all, in a joking way, it almost meant as much in some kind yeah. of a weird way. I, I started laughing when I saw that. 
But well, the, I think there's something like I, I lose track, maybe 114, 117 snaps, something like that. Only one of which was worth more than 20 yards. Yeah, and that was yeah. a good throw by Deacon. Yes, it that was. was a good throw. That was a Big Ten quarterback throw. Good solid say? catch. Yeah, the good thing to see. You remember how the play developed? There was an underneath defender. He mm-hmm. had to loft the ball over the underneath defender. Yeah. Uh, so he had to show touch, and he did. He showed touch on the play, uh, and and I'll, I'll give. Uh, number 81 credit for playing like he was a single-digit number on that play because he not only caught it, but he actually uh, moved the ball upfield a little bit too. Yeah, he did. Those yards uh, were big. Yeah, they were. They were huge. Um, you know, just to give you an idea of how important every yard does matter, let's talk about the 53-yarder that was missed. It hit the upright. Uh-huh. Of course, the, I think the wind was a little bit stronger at that point in the game, a little bit left to right. The ball faded into that right upright. But do you remember the play before the field goal? I do not. It was a screen pass that we gained oh, minus four. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we lost four yards on a screen pass. Incidentally, that was a screen pass versus man coverage. You've heard me say, you better have a provision for man coverage if you're running screens. Because otherwise, that, that man defender is just going to mirror the back, and he's going to be right there right there waiting for the ball to come down. When, you know, when the ball gets there, he's going to be right there with the back. You know, the lineman didn't have much chance to block him because he didn't take any kind of drop. Uh, so the the reason I bring it up, that minus four, uh, and and um, it may sound crazy, but minus four, obviously, if we hit the upright from 53 yards, is it hard to imagine it might have either slipped inside the upright or or, or bounced or caromed off the upright uh, for a made field goal from 49. You know, every yard does matter, uh, especially on a 53-yard attempt. And despite that miss, I still was not so confident he was going to make that at the end because I've interviewed the kid. He's got he's got some moxie to him. I mean, he's kind of—I I don't want to say he's cocky, or but you almost have to you be have as a to kicker. Be. And he just—he's got sort of an edge to him, and I mean that as a compliment. Like there's times when we ask him questions where I think he looks at his. Man, you're an idiot. He goes, but I'll answer it anyway. <laughs> but I like that. I, you can just see he's got a kicker's mentality. And, Don, that's important, right? Absolutely. I, I kind of equate it to the best golfers in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're standing on the ATT and and, uh, and maybe they have to make birdie to win, win a tournament. Uh, and it's the least of their worries that they're not going to split that fairway. Uh, you know, they're even going to decide, do I win on the left side of the fairway or the right side of the fairway? Uh, you know, they try to position themselves for the next shot, of course. Uh, so, uh, you know, if, if, the bottom line, of course, he's kicked those kind of those kind of footballs ever since he was uh, a, a single-digit age, I'm sure. I'm sure he's hitting the football before he's 10 years old, uh, kicking a football, I should say, I bet. And, um, you know, that's where the confidence comes in. You know, he's been, a, he's been a, an outstanding kicker, not since he's been here, but even since he's in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think oh, he was all state. Yarder, yeah, he had a 51 believe, yarder in high school. He was all state. Yeah, I believe the 53 yarder to hit the upright. That may be the first 50 yard plus kick that he's missed. Yeah, I don't have the stats. It's not many. I mean, he entered the, he entered Saturday's game 29 of 34 in field goals at That's Iowa. That's an odd stat. You know, he never missed one inside the 40 in college. I know that. Right. Um, but he's never missed one outside of 45 either, I think, until until Saturday. Yeah, no, I think you could make a strong case that Iowa's got the best kicker. I wrote that. Best kicker-punter kicker, punter combo yep. in the country right yep. now. I know there's others compared statistically, but I, I wouldn't trade Drew, Torrey, or Phil Parker for anybody in the country right now. And 
Kirk gets a lot of grief for the offense, and deservedly so, Don, but you know as a former head coach, there's three parts of football that it takes to win, and I was really good at two of them. Well, and you've heard that, that old expression from Clint Eastwood, a man's got to know his limitations. Yeah. Well, a football team has to know its limitations, too. So, you know, we, Kirk does a great job of playing to our strengths. He does. Uh, you know, and, and for that matter, you know, everybody matters. Uh, you know, the offensive line matters. The receivers matter. The skilled people matter. Maybe the, the wide receivers on that particular day, they don't have much in receiving yardage. But maybe they do a great job in terms of blocking the perimeter. Uh, and allowing us to, to gain a lot of yards in our running game. Um, but it all starts with just protecting the ball on offense. Uh, and, of course, we're not great at generating turnovers with this particular team. No, this defense Some isn't. of our teams have been. I wish we were better at generating turnovers. But we still understand how to play Phil Parker defense. Uh, and that's to be sound with our schemes. That's to be uh, efficient with our tackling. Uh, if we do have a chance... Uh, to get to a ball that's thrown downfield, then we, we have a good chance to get that done. Uh, and what does help us also, an above-average pass rush, you have to say. Yeah. Uh, you know, they felt pressure on Saturday. One of the smartest things they did, they went were for quicker passes in the second half. They threw a lot of quick passing game stuff that, that was wise because they were having difficulty in protecting against longer, more forward-developing passes. I uh, Coach, let me let me ask you. Put put on your offensive coordinator hat here, okay. and okay, our our offense has obviously been tremendously challenged this entire season, and now right. throw throw onto the fire. We might be three starting offensive linemen down this week coming up because of injuries against Northwestern. What in the as offensive coordinator? What in the world can you call to uh, help minimize some of these losses? Well, you might have you might have a shorter playlist than you normally do, simply because there's no reason to put a lot of plays on your on your call sheet if they if they don't have much chance to work. So you're just forced to zero in on what plays give us our best chance. Here's one rule that will never change: you're always going to be required to show up with at least five guys that are numbered 50 through 79. Right? That's a rule. You have to play the five linemen. Now you can take a tight end and dress him as an offensive lineman if you want to, but hopefully it'll never come to that. Hopefully we'll always have somebody that's um, that's better prepared than than simply to move a tight end into a, an offensive line spot. Let's face it, that would be a really odd solution. Uh, so next man in, you know, somebody's got to step up. Maybe it's maybe it's somebody that hadn't hardly played at all. I think back to the Parker. You know, Parker's a guy that that. Uh, I remember talking about him off of his video. I said, well, he's a good athlete. I don't doubt that he's athletic enough to do it. I just don't know because he's played, hadn't played FBS football. I don't know how he's going to compete against a Big Ten defensive lineman. That's what I don't know. Well, we might find out before this year's out because we're we're getting thinned out in our offensive line. And, and Daquan Parker, uh, you know, maybe it's going to be his opportunity. I say that I don't have any knowledge at all. For all I know, he might not even be healthy for the game. But I'm assuming he is because he certainly hasn't been injured in a football game, I don't think. Mm -mm. Uh, so with a little bit of luck, he's getting more and more prepared to play. Uh, he may not, not be part of that starting five. But let's face it, it's hard to play all day long with only five linemen, too. So ideally, you need at least eight guys that are ready to play. And when I say eight, that includes a backup center, 
a swing guard and a swing tackle. You know, one of those guards has to play left and right, has to be prepared to play left and right. The same way with tackles. One of those tackles must be prepared to play left and right because it's hard to have four uh, four tackles you can play winning football with. Uh, the more realistic goal is to have three, and that would mean you need to swing somebody from left to right depending on who needs to be in the game at that particular moment. And do we know for sure if anyone's out for sure? Well, it looked like um, – Because Kirk didn't say – It any... looked like a terrible injury to Debo Stevens. Okay. The, he, he, he went off in the cart. Yeah, I saw that. Right. And he doesn't start. I mean, he. No, no. But, I mean, he, but he's part of the depth. So, but yeah, and I don't know if Kirk said. I, I don't know what he well, said. We'll find out tomorrow for well, sure. Yeah, right? I mean, he'll update us on all, all that tomorrow. Um, so I mean, well, injuries are part of it. I um, so if you're, if you're Brian Ferentz going into this Rutgers game, uh, is it, what are you just you got to try to establish the run first, or do, if you if you had some advice for him, would you? Would you say, hey, come out a little aggressive? Let's see what we can do. Let's test them downfield. What would your approach be? Well, you know, it's it's a little – it's hard to say that establishing the run is a great idea first. It is as long as they're in base defense. But if they're going to if they're gonna load the box from the get-go, you got to be able to throw. you got to be able to throw. And you've always heard me talk about man beaters. The, the typical way to load the box, of course, is to play man, man or man-free coverage. And if they're going to do that, then you got to have ways to make them pay. Um, so, uh, and the beauty of some of that, uh, let me back up in terms of pass pro. Let's imagine we've got five linemen, a couple of which haven't even played that much this year, that are out there. Well, one simple thing to do uh, that would be proper for, for a quick passing game is simply to, uh, simply to go with um, what we used to call uh, gap protection. You know, you just you're just protecting the gap either to your left or right. Everybody's sliding in the same direction. Uh, so that's pretty simple protection. That doesn't require a lot of skill. You know, if you're the left guard and you know, based on the call, the gap I have to protect is is the the gap to my right. You know, between me and the center, I've got to protect that gap because I know for a fact the center is going to protect the gap to his right. Everybody's going to protect the gap to their right or left. It's all coordinated in that regard. So that's not that hard to be able to gap protect. Uh, you know, just about any lineman should be able to do that as long as he remembers to slide right or slide left based on the call. Um, so, uh, but then when it gets tricky is when you're behind the chains. And now let's talk about third and long. Now what do you do? Well, you know, now if you're going to uh, go with uh, a deeper um, passing concept, then obviously you got to protect longer. And now that involves you having to be an athlete, and, you know, it's difficult, especially for those tackles. You know, so many good edge rushers you run into. You remember Leroy Smith. He was a nightmare years ago for any offensive tackle because uh, he's a little bit like Joe Evans, except he's a better athlete than Joe Evans even. Uh, and I, I, I take my hat off to Joe Evans every time he plays because he plays the game the way it should be played. It's all out on his part. He's undersized, but he's he's athletic. Not as athletic as Leroy Smith. I think that's still the the school record for sacks in one season. I think still held by Leroy, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you're right. So, yeah. So that's a problem. So what can you do uh, if you're in long yardage? Well, you know, if you if you're confident you're getting zone coverages in the back end, you you have a better chance to run some screen passes. As an example, you always have a chance with some kind of draw play. Uh, let's face it. You know, there's a chance that the box is 
is light because it's third and long now. Uh, and now you have a better chance to get them blocked, at least in the box. And, and, and But let's face it, if it's third and long, you can't block them all to guarantee a 10-yard gain. If that running back's going to gain 10, some of that's going to be on him. Uh, maybe the blocking scheme gets him for a five-yard gain, but then, then there's a guy that's six yards downfield that he's got to make him miss. He's got to run over him. He's got to juke him and run around him. Whatever. You know, it's not easy to gain 10 yards when you have to gain 10 yards. Uh, you know, because invariably an unblocked player is going to be, he's going to show up, and that's got to be the running back's man. You know, you got to make a guy miss. Uh, so that's what we got to look forward to probably. Um, you know, Rutgers, I don't know how they're going to approach us. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they dare us to throw. Uh, and I don't know much at all about the back end. I just know statistically they've been they've been pretty darn good all year. Uh, here's an impressive stat from Saturday. How about the All American wide receiver? He had he had one big play on the day. It was 65 yards. I will admit, but his other catches were only worth 20. Uh, and I'm talking about Marvin Harrison. You know, he's a, he might deserve the Heisman over anyone else. He certainly deserves a lot of consideration for it. It's hard for a a wide out or a running back to win it nowadays. It's invariably a quarterback, it seems. Yeah, he had two touchdown catches. He had but they were, two great plays. They, they were short catches and what have you. But, but yeah, no, Rutgers did a good job. Don, I got a question for you. This load the box stuff. I see so many teams that will have four wide outs, one running back, a quarterback, and five linemen, and they run the ball because the box isn't loaded because you got four defenders out on the – why doesn't Iowa ever do that? They do have four receivers – why don't they ever do that and just have a single back? You can't load the box if you have four wideouts. I mean, I don't – why don't they ever – Well, and, well and you, you can. You still can. Absolutely, you can. Well, you can, but now, you're not going to have eight guys in there because you got to have four guys out defending the receivers. Right, but, but here's the bad news for you. If you're talking <laughs> about four wide receivers on the field, how many blockers do you have? You've, you've got five – You have five, five offensive linemen. And you got a running back in the backfield, and if you're going to ask him to carry the ball – your five guys can only theoretically account for five. No, I know, but I see it work for so many teams, but it doesn't work for Iowa. Well, one reason you see it work is because you involved a quarterback as a runner. And now you've got six blockers, right? If your running back can be a, become a blocker, yeah. now you can block the box. Now you can block all six of them. Uh, so that's a, now, uh, other cases, though, what you can do is calculate. Here's a, here's a good point to be made. Let's not forget some people, the way they account for six with five blockers and still give the ball to the back. It's what we call a zone read. So you'll ask the quarterback, okay, and typically it's an edge rusher. Mm-hmm. So you tell the quarterback, I want you to be prepared to hand the ball off to the back here on an inside zone. Uh, but the reason we're running this play is we only have five linemen to block for him. Talking about that formation, you're talking about four wide receivers on the field. Or one of them could be a tight end, even, but just flanked out so a defender has to be out there with them is what I'm saying. Yeah, but but again, they don't have to be. Uh, you know, why don't you just play man free and and still outnumber them in the box? You can do that. And even then, if even if the quarterback is a runner, you got six in the box. Uh, even if they involve the the running back as a blocker, they got six on your six. Um, but it's kind of a waste of time unless your quarterback's a decent runner, right? You, you, know, you may see you may see Rutgers do it against us, um, but probably not likely to see as much of that because we're not likely to we're not likely to spread out and and, and go with the real light box anyway. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we may still outnumber them a little bit in the box. You know, maybe we're playing man-free, and playing man-free, going back to that formation you're talking about, Pat, you got four wideouts on the field. Okay, you got four DBs uh, to man up on those guys, and then you got a free safety in behind, you know, to help out on deep throws. Uh, so that still gives you a chance to put six in the box. Six in the box against the five line. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, I yeah. get what you're saying. I just, at times, I wish five offensive linemen every once in a while could beat the six guys. And like you said, Don, at this level, the running back's got to make somebody miss, too. You can't have everything just laid out there for you. But sometimes you have well, to over- right. overcome obstacles, don't you? You're right. And it, it is possible in some cases for one lineman to end up blocking two guys. Let me give you an example. Uh, let's imagine you're the right, you're the right tackle, and you know for sure that the, the ball is going to go left. Uh, let's just talk about a draw play. Is the best example I can think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just imagine you only got five blockers. You're in that double slot formation you're talking about. Four wideouts on the field. There's six in the box. Is it possible that the right tackle, who's on the back side of the play, can he make a, a quick pass set uh, on that edge rusher? And, and push him up the field, you know, run him up the field, and then punch off on him, push him, don't give him a short edge, you know, make him have to run up the field, run a wide pass, and by then he can punch off on that guy and then work his way downfield to the linebacker. That is possible in some cases for one lineman to account for two guys. Uh, not easy to do. you got to know what you're doing. Sure. And you got to be sure, of course, that the ball is going away from that that edge rusher that you're going to leave behind. Uh, so in some cases, you can you can develop a scheme where one player accounts for two defenders. Uh, but you got to know what you're doing, and the, the ball clearly has to be going away from that that guy that you release. I saw the block another guy. Yeah. Saw the over unders what twenty eight point nine uh, or twenty eight point five or something like that. I mean, I'll tell you what. Taking the under is a good way to make some money on it. 28.5. 28.5, yep. the over-under, Don. You going over or under on this? Uh, I'd have to go under, I do believe. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you on yeah. that one. And, um, yeah. Okay, well, let's, I mean, let's look around the Big Ten a little bit. I mean, did you watch any of the – I watched a lot of the Nebraska-Michigan State game. Did you have a chance to see any of that, Don? Y- yes, I did. Um, that's the beauty of having a 2.30 kick, and we had three yes. Big Ten games mm-hmm. under the 11. 11 o'clock. Yeah, um, you know it's it's. Uh, I, I tell you one thing that hit me over the head. Uh, this is a really clear indication uh, the East is stronger than the West. Oh, Think about this: it's not even close. the two teams in the in the bottom of the East beat the two teams, two of the teams that were tied for the lead in the West. That's yes. right. Yes. Yep. And they beat them at home, yeah. but still, no, you're right. That's a good. Well, and and the other way to look at Iowa, yes, on top alone in the Big Ten West. But that says a whole lot more about how weak the West is oh, than how question. good Iowa is. Without question, yeah. Well, but, and and um, and to those that say, I've heard some fans say, "Well, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know if I want us to go to Indianapolis." That's ridiculous. Uh, that's crazy thinking. That's ridiculous. You know, I made I made the point uh, on one interview. I said, uh, I said, if you think it doesn't have great meaning for these players to go to Indianapolis, think about this: you train year round. With one, with a couple of goals in mind, obviously, one is to find a way to win the West, which gives you a chance to play for a Big Ten title. Uh, that's clearly an intermediate goal. You can't play for a Big Ten title if you don't go to Indianapolis. No. 
No way, right? I no, mean, that's the championship right. game. Yeah. So what can you do if you're in the West? Well, all you can do is win the West. Uh, and, yeah, you want to have a perfect record, uh, but that's hard to do. We know that. That's damn near impossible to do. How many teams are unbeaten at the end of the regular season? You can easily count them on one hand. Uh, so what can we do? We can be the best version of ourselves in each and every game. Uh, we can simply find a way to be the best in the West, and then we'll have a chance to, to play up, if you will. Uh, it'll be a huge challenge. It doesn't matter if it's Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State. It'll be a huge challenge. And that's the challenge I promise you that these players and coaches embrace. They want that game. Sure. Uh, they want to play in that game, and I, it doesn't matter what the point spread is. I like what David Braun said before, uh, before, long before they played us. He said, he said, our players have figured out they don't care what the point spread is because ultimately they're the ones that get to decide what the point spread should have been. And that's a pretty mm-hmm. good way to put no, it. That you is. Know, they yeah. De- yeah, they defied the odds. Uh, you know, I, I've got this prediction model. Well, there's been three exceptions already this year. Two of those three involved Northwestern. One of them was Northwestern Minnesota, and the other one was Northwestern in Maryland. Was it Maryland last week? Uh, who did Northwestern beat a week yes, ago? Yes, yes, they did. Yeah, they beat Maryland. They yeah. sure did. Boy, Maryland, Maryland yes, did a right. free fall. And and both those games defied the odds, but but that's what Northwestern does. You know, they win, and and we're good at that. We we defy the odds a lot too. Mm-hmm. Didn't uh, they? So we're one of the. Score thirty-eight ahead, against. Sorry. Didn't they score thirty-eight against Maryland? It was something like thirty-seven, twenty-six. I mean, Maryland's lost four in a row yeah. now. They are in a free fall. Well, Maryland, Maryland didn't get the word that it's a twelve-game season. Yes. They, they thought it was six. They didn't know. Yeah. Uh, I think they were five and zero. Oh, right now, they've lost four straight. Four straight. Uh, and not just lost four straight, but haven't even haven't even looked good in losing. Now, I will say, Don. Obviously, I'm not a Nebraska fan by any means, but. I thought there was one terrible no call on a what looked like a. Did you you know the one the pass interference that didn't get called? What what do you think of? Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yes, it was over on Nebraska. I mean, somebody play. could argue that saying they were both going for the ball. I mean, what's your? Maybe I'm wrong. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you're right. I didn't see that as a foul. Oh, uh, you didn't? Okay, okay. Uh, because well, if it's, a, if it's the one I'm thinking of, uh, you mean I thought they flagged Nebraska for passing. No, this one they didn't flag at all. The the it was in late in the game, and the safety for Michigan State basically just collided with the Nebraska receiver. But now, in fairness, maybe the officials ruled that they both were in route to the ball, and they just kind of I I mean, but rule went crazy, and the Nebraska fans, of course, I mean they're just yeah. I'm not sure I saw that. Play. Okay, I will I will talk about another play in the Rutgers game. Because let's take you back to that game. I believe it's nine to seven at the time, uh, and Ohio State is. Uh, well, let's face it; their their quarterback is not to be confused with the typical Ohio State quarterback. No, no. You know, they're just trying to protect the guy and give him a chance to get wiser, older, and wiser going forward. And he'll he'll probably do that. He'll be a better quarterback, um, you know, to play Michigan in Game Twelve than he is right now. Uh, but the, the bottom line here was a key play in the game because Rutgers kind of had them uh, on the ropes a little bit. Let's face it, I think it was 9-7 at the time. I'm talking about the 93-yard interception return. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, to me, if I'm a Rutgers fan, I'm thinking, how is that not targeting on that play? Go back and look at it. I can't figure out the targeting calls. There, there was... It could have easily been flagged as a targeting foul. Uh, it wasn't, but you could argue that, that – uh, you know that he was uh he had intent to injure the player you could argue that mm-hmm. he wasn't just playing the ball and running into the guy you know he he, he got hurt on that play, play too 
The guy, oh, yeah, no, Josh Proctor, was, right. he was the defender got hurt. Right? Yeah, that yeah. was Josh Proctor. He'd been playing a great game. He got hurt on that play. He got knocked silly because it was helmet to helmet. But I can't figure out the the targeting call is so subjective now that it just doesn't make any sense to me. Something you look at and say, "Yep, that's targeting." They don't call. I I can't figure it out. Yeah, you're right. And, and even the replay sometimes leaves you kind of mystified. You're thinking, "Okay, I don't know what they saw for sure." Because and even the announcers might say. You know, that that interpretation surprises me. I thought that was going to be a fail or vice versa, whatever. You're right. It's, it's a little bit inconsistent. It just depends a lot on who the replay official is, yeah. obviously. Uh, you know, they all interpret the rules maybe ever so slightly different. And some of these some of these calls, it's hard to know what what should be the final verdict. It's, some of them are that, that difficult to um, – to uh, to get it right, Don. I will say it was cool seeing Harlan Barnett get that win. You could tell what it meant to him and his family. Everything I've read about the guy seems like he's a great guy. I don't know if you ever met him before. I know you used to. He played against Iowa back when you were coaching. When, but it was just yeah, so. I remember cool. him as a player. Yeah, he was a good player and he played in the NFL. But it was just so cool. You could tell how much he appreciated that win. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he he was named the interim. Correct me if I'm wrong. That they hadn't won a game since he was named the interim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at some point, of course, he's sitting there thinking, am I part of the problem or am I part of the solution here? I'm sure he wondered that. Uh, but let's face it, you know, the, the players uh, are the guys that that uh, have more to do with the outcome of the game than any individual coach. And um, I'm happy for him that he was able to, to um, I don't know if there'll be another win out there, maybe, because give got to give Michigan State credit. Uh, you know, most people didn't give them much of a chance no. to win that game either. Yeah. Well, um, Donnie, their reward is they get to travel to Ohio State this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can bet that Ohio State's not going to show much mercy. No. Uh, come to think of it, Michigan didn't show much mercy either, did it? No. no did you see the the Michigan Harbaugh Ryan Walters post game handshake, Don? Did you see video of that? Yeah, that was a little bit on the icy that side. That was definitely it? on the icy side. Walters wants nothing to do with him. Okay, your thoughts on that. Is what Michigan is accused of doing, does that give them a huge advantage? Uh, huge is uh, an awfully strong word. I would say not a huge advantage. Um, might it give them uh, an advantage that might make a difference? Yeah, you could certainly you could certainly argue that it, it might. Okay. Um but I wouldn't say a huge advantage. So what um, do you what do you think should happen to them? I don't want to put you on the spot. I mean, do you? I mean, there's people's oh god, death penalty, blah blah. I mean, what do you think should be the punishment for this? Well, in my mind, uh, if 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 I was the head of the NCAA and, and and any of this, I guess now there's there's at least proof positive that that there were Michigan people on the Michigan payroll that were oh yeah that yes. were it's out there they were yeah. going to these games and filming video is that right yeah oh yeah I mean, no it's out there phone I guess yeah but um, uh, the way I see it you got to realize now I was on the honor committee when I was at West Point uh, believe me I, I'm all about fair play that is not fair and you should pay a heavy price I would I would be inclined to say NCAA should say um, congratulations on having a really well-played season, and you're not part of the playoffs. Wow. That's, that's really harsh. Okay. Wow. Uh, but, my gosh, I mean, do we know for sure that they didn't use that to their advantage in any and all games? I, I'm assuming those nine coverage games, they're not worried about those, but 
if they're worried about Purdue, which they clearly were, because uh, I think didn't Purdue document that yes. a Michigan representative was at more than one game, mm-hmm. several games. Uh, if they're worried about Purdue, then that tells me they're worried about every Big Ten opponent. And, and, and I don't know that, of course, but it wouldn't surprise me if a similar approach was taken with every Big Ten team. So, uh, I don't even know what their conference schedule is other than they play everybody in the East, of course. I don't know what the crossover games even are, but uh, but safe to say that's that's a most people would say that's an extreme violation of the rules. Okay, I do know that any number of Big Ten coaches have been have been um, have voiced their opinion to the Big Ten office that there needs to be yes an, an immediate penalty works to that effect. And ads, I did hear something funny too, Tom. You'll get a care. Someone, uh, I saw some joke on Twitter about that, that Stallions, is that his name, Connor? Yes. He was at a game filming the Iowa offense and left with about um, 10 minutes to go in the first quarter. He'd seen enough. There. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a joke, of course. But the other thing, Don, is remember Harbaugh had the three-game suspension for recruiting stuff, too, and this comes on top of that. So I'm still yeah. not convinced he's – I would never t- say this to Jamie, and I don't think Jamie's listening right now, but I'm not convinced Harbaugh's going to be their coach next year. I think this may push him back to the NFL. You know, it might. And the, and the bottom line, you know, who knows what the NFL does in preparation for a game. Maybe they do that routinely. I don't know. Um, probably not because, you, let's face it, there aren't many signals in the NFL. They're talking right into the quarterback's helmet. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't have uh, you don't have much of that. Now, I don't know what they do if it's a two-minute situation. Obviously, those wide receivers uh, have to have some awareness of what the – the call is. I don't know how they communicate that. To my knowledge, the only player on the field with with uh, with access to um, to transmission, you know, voice transmission, is a quarterback, mm-hmm. right? I think that's it. I believe so. Yes. And yeah, hey, I, um, the you, I watched parts of the USC Washington game and just kept laughing, reminding myself these teams are joining the Big Ten next year. I mean, it was. It's like defense just didn't matter. And it's also they had fifty six points at halftime. Yes, and Iowa Northwestern was zero zero. Yes, and <laughs> I'm telling you, the defenses were bad. Yes, but man, they've got some unbelievable skill players on they offense. Sure both do. those yes, teams. Let me talk about one play in that game because a friend of mine alerted me, and I, I just simply Google this uh, USC trick play. I saw trick it. play video. It was and incredible. It comes up. It was it was what you might think of as a flea flicker, but yeah. in all my years of coaching, I've never seen a flea flicker that was run like this. No, a delayed one. It was strange. Yeah, uh, it's a but, beautiful play. Uh, my, my point is, hats off to USC. Yeah. for deciding that's a good play because it it worked to perfection. Uh, now you might argue, and just so the listeners don't know what we're talking about, maybe, but it appeared to be um, a jet sweep. You know, the quarterback handed the ball off, the, the runner ran wide, and then the runner decided, you know what, I think I'm going to redirect and lateral the ball back to the quarterback. Uh-huh. In the meantime, the guy on the edge of the formation that was that appeared to be a blocker for the jet sweep, he stalks the guy, which means he's acting like he's blocking him, yep. and then, then he takes off late in the play, and, of course, he's wide open. Uh, it wouldn't be hard for me to believe that the quarterback might get sacked on that play because it took so long to develop. But you know the funny thing is when when defenders see a jet sweep, you know they they start peeling off and running to take a path that'll intercept the jet sweep. Sure. In other words, a D lineman 
might hardly even get across the line of scrimmage at all, you know, because he realized the ball's going wide. I got to go wide uh, unless I'm worried about a reverse, you know, a trailing defender on the backside of the formation might be a sign to get upfield and worry about a reverse, depending on what a team does. And it was a perfect but throw. Bottom line, Beautiful play. Bottom line, you know, the quarterback had plenty of time. Uh, he accepted the, the pitch back, and he picked his teeth for a while, and then he threw it down the field for a touchdown. Yes, he did. Speaking of exotics, was, was it Rutgers that did the kind of fumble ruski play? Yes, and it worked. Yeah. And it worked incredible. I'd the like thing to is, see though, it. can they do that against Iowa Saturday? Won't Iowa have that scouted? Well, you would think so. Uh, well, I don't think they're going to have the nerve to try it against Iowa. Okay, that's what I thought. One week later, it, it wouldn't be hard to imagine that that our scout team would show the defense that play. Uh, you know, we, we'll have an awareness of that play. Obviously, anytime it's now that appeared to be um, a quarterback sneak formation, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was fourth, fourth and one or third and one. I can't remember. I think it's fourth and one. I think it was too. Uh, so it was a bold call. Incidentally, that's not the the, the old true fumble ruski. It's a little bit different than that. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, you know, the fumble ruski, you might recall, it, it looks like the play's going right, and then the offensive lineman takes takes the ball back Nebraska. up and goes the other way. Yep. I think that's illegal now. I, don't, I think that rule's been legislated out. That plays out no more. I don't think you can do that. I think that's right. Hey. Uh, but this play is a, a variation of that. Of course, the quarterback takes the snap. Everybody thinks it's going to be a sneak. Uh, but that that good running back standing right there behind him—that's one reason he had 159 yards. Yeah, because he picked up maybe 64 on that one play. I think. Don, before we wrap up, I want to—what happened to my Irish and what happened to Iowa State? Well, Iowa State. Uh, let's talk about that game a little bit uh, because you've heard me say before, one of my old grad assistants is the offensive coordinator at KU right now, named Man, Andy Polnicki. And I watched them play early in the season, and Lisa's sitting here watching TV with me, and, and she says, well, I give Andy credit for really being a good a good student uh, when he was with you guys. And uh, I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, they obviously got a really good offense, and it's got a lot of imagination to it. And I said, yeah, you're right, they do. The reason I bring it up, uh, I was getting a blow-by-blow of the, the game when I was uh, doing a, a podcast on Saturday night, and Iowa State, I believe, got back within a one score. They did. And and what happened then? I'm, I don't know what the play was, but it was some kind of huge chunk play for KU to take the to extend the lead again. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe an 80 yard play or something. No, I don't know if legit. it was an actually. I don't know if it was an exotic, but it was it was a bold call. Of course, they're protecting a one score lead. I think at that point, and their solution is well, let's just go get another touchdown. Sure. Then uh, you know you got to be smart about that. I'm sure they. It was all calculated, but uh, but anyway, KU is a great example of having a lot of imagination within their offense. Just watch them play; you'll enjoy watching. Them no, they're fun to watch. They really are. You are. They're, they they're are hard fun to defend. Now Notre Dame yeah. just got shredded. Their defense got shredded. Don, Iowa's got a better record than Notre Dame, USC. Um, who else does Iowa have? A Clemson, Clemson. and Florida. They have a, I mean, Notre Dame's now seven and three. Their defense just got shredded, and Clemson was that was without its starting running back. Not a good showing by Notre Dame. Yeah, and I believe their head coach was a defensive expert. Wasn't he is. It? That's what. He, yes. That's his area of expertise. Yes, and they just. Well, the obvious question. Let's let's ask it this way: If you're a Notre Dame fan and you're aware of your background of your head coach, which side of the ball do you think he would be the most 
value to exactly, staff. and it was not the case. Now Hartman hasn't been the Wake Forest quarterback transfer hasn't been very good either in the games I've watched. He he was very ordinary Saturday, and it's going to be interesting to see. Notre Dame fans are frustrated. They're seven and three. They're out of the, uh, another season where they're out of the big picture. I mean, Iowa's got a better chance of doing something if they can, you know, if they can hang on and win the win the division. But yeah, it was not a good showing for Notre Dame, and not a good showing for Iowa State either. That was a game they needed to win. But this Lance Leopold, I mean, do you think can Kansas keep him because he's about sixty years old? I mean, do you, do you think he'll stay at Kansas? Or do you think some people are going to make a push for him? Well, you would assume Kansas, uh, as Coach Fry used to say, if you have a chance to work at a school called the University of, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, University of Kansas has money a lot like University of Iowa or, or University of Michigan or wherever. You know, the big state universities have, have resources. So if KU wants to pay top dollar to keep him, they can do it. Um, I would suspect there'll be a, um, a lot of argument for doing that with all the success they've had. Um, I don't know. You know, it's um, there's always somebody that might be able to outbid you. That's true. Uh I would just say this, you know, I would like to believe Lance Leipold is a guy uh, that's not just driven by money. How much money do you need? No, you're right. Yeah. You know, KU is nice enough to give him a great opportunity and pay him well. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that he deserves a raise, but I would hope he just doesn't go to the highest bidder yeah. just, yeah. just for the hell of it. Because, uh, you know, loyalty's a two-way street. And uh, Kirk's a prime example. You know, Kirk has great loyalty for Iowa. Uh, I know some people would say, well, we're giving him a lot of good reason to with how we pay him. Uh, but there are other coaches that are paid more than Kirk. Sure. Well, he's he in left. the middle of the Big Ten anymore. And Kirk could have left. He could have. Michigan at one time wanted him. Penn State would have taken him. Plenty of NFL teams. Now, one last question before we wrap up. I can't believe the hour's up already. Chris Kleeman's decision to go for two against um, Texas. What were your thoughts on that? Well, let's back up. Did you did you hear what happened in regulation? If I'm not mistaken, I did not because I did not watch. My, I did happen to turn it on during the little stretch there. Um, I I respected his riverboat gambler mentality, but it didn't work. What happened earlier? So that was that was in overtime. He decided to go for two. Was that yeah. the first overtime? I believe yes, I it was. So. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people would argue if you're playing on the road. I'll put it this way: I've had people ask me, "Would you go for two or not?" My first response is always. Well, if I, I would have to feel really good about a specific two-point play, one that I have great confidence will work, uh, that would that would prompt me to be more likely to go for two, obviously. But to back up a little bit, if I'm not mistaken, uh, late in the game, I don't know if it was in the last minute or not, but it was late. I believe it happened this way. K-State scores to make 27 all. They only need a PAT to, to go ahead late in the game. The holder must have snap. I don't know. Maybe it was a bad snap. I don't know. Long story short, it was a failed attempt because the ball never got kicked. Uh, the guy kind of panicked maybe and picked the ball up and tried to run with it. He got tackled. So then we go to overtime. I'm pretty sure that's how it happened in regulation. That's the way I understood it on some highlight show. Um, and then they lose in overtime. So going for two if you're on the road, a lot of people would argue. Uh, now, they, they clearly – they clearly went second, I guess. Did Texas go first? Um, yes, Texas went first and made a field goal, I believe. Wasn't that it? Well, now, now I'm really confused. I thought you said they went for two after. Wait, no, or, or no, maybe, no, Texas must have scored a. Yeah, Texas scored a touchdown. If I, yeah, because that's okay. the only reason they would have went they for two. They scored a touchdown against yes. the PAT, so Texas up by seven. Yes. K State has to match. 
K-State scores a touchdown, goes for two. A lot of people would argue that's what you should do on the road because the longer it goes, the, the more vociferous the crowd's going to get. Sure. Um, you know, you're already on the road. Uh, I, I would imagine that K-State felt really good about that two-point play. They've been they maybe been practicing for weeks, maybe. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if it's good for one goal line defense, it might be good for three in a row. So maybe maybe it's a play they felt great about. And, and Texas just did a, a really nice job of defending it. Well, I, don't, I don't know. And speaking of K-State, a player whose name was mentioned repeatedly on defense was Brendan Mott, former Iowa City West graduate, son of Joe Mott. He's a yes. He, I know Brendan. He know plays Brendan. a significant role for the for their. I think he's a defensive end. Yeah, I, I felt honored. And Joe asked me to sit down and visit with Brendan about the recruiting process when he was back in high school, and I was happy to do that, of course. Uh, and I also, you know, what I thought you were going to say, a receiver that transferred well, from Keegan Iowa had a big day, also. Yes, he did. I think he had at least six catches. Yeah, yeah so. I believe he had seven for seventy-one or something like that. Is that, that. what he finished so, with? Yeah, because he had six for sixty-six at one point. So, so yeah, they both played a big role in that. Well, Tom, I mean, we're, we're over an hour now. I mean, this has just gone by. It's so much fun. You got anything else? Yeah. How about uh, how would you like to see an exotic or two from Iowa this week? Well, if you promise me they'll no work, then that's it's uh, <laughs> a big if. Yeah, I'd like to see them. Uh, let's talk about this for a second. You've heard me say some exotics. And the quarterback is the guy that can always get you off the hook. Uh, here's what people – I remember one time a coach will remain nameless. I was discussing trick plays with him one time. This is a veteran coach. And uh, he said, you know, the only problem with exotics uh, – he said two things. He said, one, they require a lot of practice, a lot of practice time. And two, you got to guess you got to guess right with what the defense is doing. And I, I didn't argue with him because he coached as long as I had. But I'm sitting there thinking, no, they don't. Uh, they don't require a lot of practice time because you got the element of surprise. They don't require great execution. They simply require good execution because you're going to surprise them when you run it. Uh, right? That all makes yeah. sense. You've heard me tell the story about walking through a play on Friday afternoon. We ran it the next day, and it was our biggest gainer. And we never practiced it full speed. That's hard to believe, but it's true. It was against Indiana. And it was 55 yards, as I recall. Uh, and... And Coach Fry, I give Coach Fry credit for that. He comes in and says, you got any regrets? And I said, yeah, Coach, we should have this play in it because I think it would work. And he said, well, draw it up for me. And I drew it up. And he said, well, can't we walk through it today? I said, yeah, but we've never practiced it, Coach. And he said, we're okay. We'll walk through it. And if if you're confident the players know what to do, we may run it anyway. And we did, and it worked. So that's that's the shoot down that argument about it requiring a lot of practice time. Not true. The other thing that comes to mind, that same coach said, yeah, but you got to guess right with what the defense is doing. No, you don't. He said, but screw your quarterback, and the quarterback understands this play is designed for man coverage. This play is designed for zone coverage. If you get the wrong defense, get out of the play. Mm-hmm. And, and I've always said this. In rare cases, we wouldn't guess right. Not a problem. We didn't waste the play. The quarterback got us out of the play. We turned around and called it later in the game. And we didn't have to get out of it a second time. So we run it at the right time. Uh, now, that's that's advanced football, but that's what, that's what a good exotic should be. You don't want to waste a trick play. If, it's, if the defense is not set for what you want, then get out of it and call it later. Makes sense to me. Me too. Hopefully we'll see one or two Saturday, and hopefully we'll be back here Monday talking about an eighth win. 
talking about a, a touchdown pass from Cooper to Gene to uh, Caleb, Caleb Brown. Brown. God, the Hawkeye Nation will just melt down <laughs> if that happens. So, oh, my God. Tom, you, when you think big, you think really big, don't yeah. you? You betcha. Well, Donnie, great stuff as usual. Get out and join that weather. The sun's out. It's going to be beautiful today. And hope, like I said, hopefully we'll be talking about another win a week from now. Well, let me just remind our listeners, this I think is really important. Our, our football team has to bring their A game on Saturday, and our fans need to bring their A game that too. We need as much home field advantage as we can possibly And find. I think they will. I think the fans are going to be there. So, all right, Don, Me look too. forward to talking to you next week, and hopefully it's about a win. Thanks, Coach. Always a pleasure, guys. All right, guys. Take care. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, yep. yep. Well, just, just waiting for you to take us to the next to the next level. To, to the, the next, next level. I mean, to the break. Lower or upper. We're going to do it. Upper level or lower level. Tom, you just sent me an email <laughs> introducing yourself to me. Hey. Uh, it, how where, nice of me. Where did, I, where did it go? Now I can't find it. Hello. Hi, Pat. I'm Tom Suter from KCJJ in Iowa. Steve Anderson sent me this thing called Alignable. Yeah. And I'm, I clicked on it. But now I don't know what to do with it. And I've got yeah, all these people. And I think these people think I'm a rude because I'm not like I, they want to talk and chat. And I'm not a talker and a chatter. See, I didn't do that. I want you to understand. Who that. did it? I don't know. It came from your email. It's just, it's it a, wasn't me. It's a spam thing. Here it is. I am Tom Suter from KCJJ in Iowa City. I would like to connect with you on Alignable. I mean, you you, go. I'm going to call the police. That's stalking, it, isn't it? It's, it's, it's spam. And I, I doubt Anderson sent it to you. Well, I made the mistake of clicking on it. Now yeah. I'm getting like I'm getting businesses from oh, like. He's Hip- been all over Alignable. Yeah. Who? Steve Anderson. Yeah. Has he? And I don't know if it's him or a I bot or what, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think it, is. it might be a bot. Okay. Hello. Good morning, guys. Hey, it's Southern Justin. <laughs> Hi, Southern oh, really? Justin. I, I were you aware of that, Captain? <laughs> no, I didn't recognize him without his sub rank. Uh, so, what? What? what did I tell you, Southern Justin, about calling during this show? Yeah, just do you remember? Obviously not. I mean, let's that's we we got bigger battles to fight than this. Let him have his thing, and let's just move on. <laughs> Eat. Let's menus go. Well, today for the Iowa City schools, they're having today beef chili, yum, cheeseburger on bun, oh, I yum. This. I hate this. Domino's cheese pizza. Now you're on the trolley. Let it be. <laughs> buttered, buttered, penny, buttered garlic. Yes, crispy potato See. cubes, grape tomatoes with an orange juice cup. Okay. An orange juice cup? What did I tell you about calling during this segment? I love you, Captain Steve. Well, I don't love you. So what did I tell you? He about respects calling? you. He just doesn't love I don't you. Respect him? <laughs> How about Burlington? What are they eating? Today for the today no for their Gina Catholic school, chicken nuggets. Good. Broccoli with cheese sauce. Pass. With fruit. Pass. And today for the Burlington Iowa schools, we're all having a chili meth. chili crispito with Yum. string cheese. Yum. And meth. Tater tots, mixed vegetables. And diced peaches. Sounds good. And that's what's made on Hawks Fanatic on the Mighty 1630. Justin, Justin, what did I tell you about calling this segment? Justin. Yep. What did I tell you about calling this segment? I love you. I love you. No, what did I tell you about calling this segment? What did I tell you about calling this segment? It's like you're talking to Wopsy. 
No, Wapsy would answer me. <laughs> what did I tell you about He's calling okay. this? He, he can call Hey Lang and he can call Molly. He can call Lex and Terry. He can call Molly tonight. He can call the guy that voice tracks overnight. What about Bromwell Camp? Uh, he could, why doesn't he call Bromwell Camp? What do you have against Todd? I thought about, I thought about calling Todd. You should start call calling Todd. Todd. He's on from 6 to 9.30. Yeah, we can, 6.30 to 9. 6.30 to 9? Yeah. Okay. Call he Todd. Get, he doesn't get very many calls. And, so. Yeah, and he wants you to call. He him. does really want you to call. He said something yeah. to me last week. He said, he said fact, he's hurt. He goes, yeah. why can't we he eat said, up here in Cedar Rapids, too? Yeah, why don't you call Todd? What do you have against Todd? Todd's a nice have, guy. He's a nice guy. I have nothing against Todd. He's probably a, he's probably a Southern Justin fan. Uh, he's oh, a huge Southern Justin fan. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Huge. huge. Yeah. <laughs> call him. Because they do eat, they do have schools up in Cedar Rapids, and they eat lunch. Yeah, they need to know too. I'll even say something to Todd. I may see him today at France press conference. If not, I'll see him tomorrow. I'll say you know, and and we can get you his contact information. Sounds sounds good to me. All right, we will. All right, there you go. All right, have a good day. We will. Are we taking a break now? (laughs) Should have taken a break earlier. Oh, you think? I tried. <laughs> well, yeah, you did. We'll be back. 1-800-800-ROSE. 1-800-800-ROSE. Your FTD florist is the only number you need to know to send flowers anywhere in the country or Canada from anywhere in the country. 1-800-800-ROSE. It's so easy. Just remember one number. 1-800-800-ROSE. Your FTD florist. one 800-800-ROSE. Remember. For a gift that your loved one will treasure for a lifetime, find it at our family-owned jewelry store in Iowa City, Pertine and Stocker Jewelers. We can show you diamond engagement rings, colored stones, fashion jewelry, and watches. Our jewelers are on site, so we can design jewelry for that special person in your life. We are Hertine and Stocker, serving Iowa City and the surrounding area for three generations. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, downtown Iowa City, and HertineandStockerJewelers.com. Ask for Willa, Terry, Tim, or Kate. One of us is always there. Don't wait for an emergency to get a backup for your car keys. Unlike the olden days, car keys have gotten extremely complex. Mike's eKeys for Cars can generate the most technically advanced automotive keys that are on the market today. For spares and lost keys, Mike's eKeys for Cars can produce most conventional transponder, high security, and remote head keys. Mike's eKeys for Cars will keep you on the road. Call 319-330-9185 and schedule an appointment today. Don't wait until it's too late. Call 319-330-9185 today. Hi, this is Jill Sterner with Sterner Taxidermy in Lone Tree. It's hunting season again, and I'm inviting all of you hunters to follow us on our Facebook page. You can view Dirk's award-winning artistry, his workmanship that he completes with each individual piece. We can be reached at 319-330-1774. Again, 319-330-1774. The Sanctuary Pub in downtown Iowa City has been a fixture since 1972 and still features a classic menu such as the classic shepherd's pie, handcrafted pizzas, and craft beers and cocktails. The Sanctuary Pub is known for its warm and cozy atmosphere. That's the perfect place to spend time with family and friends while enjoying live music. Support great local food with socially distanced dine-in, carry-out, and delivery through Chomp Delivery. 
The Sanctuary Pub is located at 405 South Gilbert Street. Full menu options are online at SanctuaryPub.com. Come experience the Sanctuary Pub. You won't ever want to leave. Are you tired of living in a home that doesn't quite meet your needs? Then it's time to call the experts at Streets Maintenance. Their team of skilled professionals specializes in renovations and remodeling, transforming your home into the space you've always dreamed of. From kitchen bath remodels to complete home renovations, no job is too big or too small. Streets Maintenance will work with you every step of the way to ensure your vision becomes a reality. So don't wait any longer. Call Streets Maintenance to schedule your consultation at 400-4483. Let's start building your dream home today. On an athletic team, you need team players, good athletes, superior equipment, and the best coaches available. In real estate, you need to have a good title and settlement team at your disposal. Hi, this is Steve Anderson. Whether you're buying, selling, or refinancing, you need quality title and settlement services. Consider the team at Hawkeye Title. Give us a call at 351-8600. Hawkeye Title and Settlement, the team you love, the people you trust. When you go to a family restaurant, you want three things. One, a wide selection of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items. Two, you want those selections to be affordable and delicious. And three, you want to be treated like family. You get all three at the Midtown Family Restaurant. Breakfast items available anytime the doors are open. Legendary tenderloins, onion rings, and hot roast beef sandwiches. And special ribeye and shrimp nights. Daily specials at each location. And no matter if you're coming in solo or with a group of 20, you get the same special family treatment. The Midtown Family Restaurants at Court and Scott Streets and at the Walmart Plaza on Highway 1 West. Follow them on Facebook or at MidtownFamily.com. The family's waiting for you. Don't let just anyone take care of your smile. At Diamond Dental, you can expect compassion, expertise, and a personalized care plan to protect your teeth for life. With more than 30 years of combined experience, Dr. Forbes and his staff are prepared to tackle even your toughest dental problems, leaving your smile healthy and sparkling. Diamond Dental offers a full range of general and cosmetic dentistry as well as dental treatment options for snoring and sleep apnea. It's never too early to start thinking about what's best for your smile. Schedule an appointment today by calling 319-390-3703 or visiting the office at 5815 Consul Street Northeast, Suite D1 in Cedar Rapids. You can also visit DiamondDentalPC.com for more information. Dr. Forbes is a proud sponsor of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and the Inner Circle. Let the Diamond Dental team provide superior care for your entire family. Car won't go into gear? Call Premier. Premier Automotive in North Liberty offers full-service mechanical auto repair, in addition to being Eastern Iowa's most trusted name in auto body repair. Use Premier for all your auto repair needs, brakes, oil changes, air conditioning, diagnostics, transmissions, or preventative maintenance. Whether you hit a deer or your car won't go into gear, see Premier Automotive in North Liberty. GT Car, owner of Supel's Building and Remodeling, has been offering unmatched service and quality for over 25 years. The trained professionals at Supel's Building and Remodeling will install and guarantee the products used in any job, no matter how big or small. They also stand behind their work and offer no-nonsense, exceptional customer service, from design to completion and beyond. Whether it's a simple window replacement or a major house addition, you'll have the confidence that Supel's Building and Remodeling is committed to quality. Visit Supel's.net or call them today 
at 319-337-2246. If you're looking for a new or used car, truck, or SUV, you should know. Deary Ford is here for you. To give you the best selection and pricing on new Fords, Deary Ford is here for you. To work with long-term, experienced sales and service reps, Deary Ford is here for you. To give you the highest trade values, Deary Ford is here for you. To provide pickup and delivery and mobile service for our customers, Deary Ford is here for you. Hurry in or shop online at DearyFord.com. Football fans, this is Bill Leichsenring of the Oxyoke Inn. We are on your way to or from the game. We're ready to serve you with the same quality food and customer service you've come to trust for over 80 years. The Oxyoke Inn is serving our famous Sunday brunch buffet with lunch, dinner, banquets, and carryout daily. From our Oxyoke family to yours, we can't wait to see you again soon in the heart of Amana. The Mighty 1630 KCJJ, we are back. Well, got some breaking news for you here, Cap. University of Iowa sophomore place kicker Drew Stevens has been named Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week following his game-winning field goal with 14 seconds remaining to defeat Northwestern at Wrigley Field. It was announced Monday by the Big Ten office. The game tied 7-7, to 146 remaining in the fourth quarter. The Hawkeyes drove 37 yards over seven plays to get into field goal range. Stevens then drilled the 53-yard attempt, equaling a season long that he had against Michigan State. So... Yeah. Congratulations to Drew Stevens. That's great. Yeah. And congratulations to Iowa soccer for yes. oh God. Yeah. I watched I watched the last 20 30 about 40 minutes of that. And I mean Wisconsin kept the pressure on. The ball was on their side of the field, but they could not score and they're in and the Iowa field hockey team earned its 28th appearance in the NCAA tournament. They so yeah, do. good things happening. And they take on Louisville. Louisville on Friday in Evanston. Yep. Illinois. 2:30. Hello. Hello. You just said all the things I was going to say. Reach into it. Anyway, yes. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was pretty neat that Iowa, the soccer team barely got in just because of that loss of Northwestern at the last day, and then they win it all. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's a neat story. And the only and they and they won it by a penalty kick. Yep, by Josie Doerr from Solon. Yeah, I believe she's, she's from been Solon. there for seven years. Seven years, yeah. She's had two knee surgeries. I think she's from Solon, isn't she? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I she is. I think she is. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think somebody said yeah. that. And then did you notice at the Iowa game they had one guy there that had a yellow flag that had a black W on it? Uh, I did not Did not that. see that. Yeah, I did. So he was right in, right in <laughs> gear with the win for, <laughs> yeah. at Wrigley. Yeah, cool. But it sounds to me like the poor turf took a beating. You know that was just so weird. There was it, it was like a, there was a pit on the field. You know, yeah, about like four feet potholes. deep. It was. It was. It looked it like was, uh, the lane here at the station. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> and, and, and Only deeper. Said, well, they're just not used to having big three hundred pound guys sit and run around on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then wasn't it just put in? Um, yeah, oh, I, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. Because yeah. it was right on the third base, evidently where the third base line was. So, yes. Yeah. So, um, so it took quite a beating. Yes, it sure did. And what in the world do you think we can do to beat, uh, uh, Rutgers? Score more points than them. 
Well, yeah, that's obvious. Well, there, there's your there's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> why why don't they get um, uh, uh, Connor <clears throat> or um, the genie in there to throw? He's supposed to be a good passer. Well, he is, and uh, well, I, I mentioned that to Donnie. That would be a good exotic. Uh, we've already established that he can do the sweep. They can fake it. He can also throw from that. Uh, from that play formation, so that's that's my call on the exotic. Yeah, they should get in there and do things that will stir the other teams up. Don't do the same old thing. Just do something that'll stir them up and throw them off. Well, to, 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 fair enough. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk's <laughs> very I'm, conservative. I was happy to see the field hockey got in. Yes. You know, we I think we would have been up there fighting for a championship too if we hadn't lost some of those good players. But I guess that's life. That's a it's part of sports, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, have a good day. All right. And is it supposed to be like this for uh, it's, Saturday? It's Not well. Quite. It's going to be cooler. It's going to be around fifty, but it's still going to be nice. It's going to be sunny. Because uh, this weekend would have been perfect. It's just beautiful. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's, It'll you be know, nice. This time of the year, 50 is pretty decent. Oh, yeah. Real yeah. decent. And above average. The season's almost just, over. Just, just wear a coat and you're okay. Yep. Were you excited to hear those menus this morning, Karin? Oh, I was so excited. I just couldn't. I drooled. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank that you. Poor, that poor guy needs a little help. <laughs> well, he needs more than a little help. <laughs> He's he's the offense of human beings. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> okay, I was just going to say, who needs more help, the Iowa offense or Southern Justice? Well, <laughs> well, they both. <laughs> thank, thank you, Car. Okay, goodbye. Oh, boy. <laughs> what are you looking? Carn just called him out. <laughs> yeah, called out Southern Justin. Yeah. Yeah, the feud is on. What was the song of the week last Friday? I have no idea. Yeah, but what if it was something that didn't fit your... It did, uh, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, Kings of Leroy? There will be uh, heads will roll. How no, but like that? Uh, what's her name, Macy, the goalie? She picked she Kings, picked of, Leroy. Kings of, Leon. Yeah. of Leon. I don't know why. Why do I say Leroy? I don't have any idea. Hello? Do you think they would have been as popular if they were Kings of Leroy? No, you think no. Leon sounds better? Country. It doesn't Country matter. Band, okay. Hello? <laughs> Yeah, get rid of that clown that <laughs> menu guy. Jeez, uh, people are lashing harsh. out. That's mean. I know. No, let's open up the playbook. Well. Yeah. Okay, good luck with that. Double reverses, flea flickers. Got to do something. Well, they're doing some things. You can't depend on the D. All the time. Well, we're going to have to this year, unfortunately. Although when the game was on the line, the offense did what they had to do, and they kicked the field goal to win the game. From 52 yards. <laughs> it's almost magical. Yep. Yeah. You guys take on. Okay. Yeah. All right. okay. We will. That's Stephen Smith from ESPN. That guy? He just demanded that we get rid of Southern Justice? Yes. Lang's going to be all over that guy. <laughs> I raised my hand. Get rid of Southern Justin and open up the playbook. Yeah. Two very aggressive choices. Yep. <laughs> Hello. Uh, hey, I had a, a question regarding the Michigan scandal. I was wondering if you guys might be able to 
for some historical context? Yeah, uh, we can try. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I guess has any uh, in terms of like NCAA violations and stuff like that. Can you think of anything that's gone on during the season uh, that they've uh, to any other teams in the past that have prohibited them from any type of postseason uh, play? Not at the, off the top of my head. Everything else has been established or in offseason going into the season. No, this is – I'm sure there may be one. I'm just not aware of one. And right I think now. it might even be more likely that if the NCAA does come down on them, that it will be next year that they punish them. But I don't know. Yeah, but we're all just – this is all speculation. Speculation. Sure. I mean, but I was, my thinking was along the same line. So I guess my next question would have been, do you think it would be more likely that the conference or the NCAA would – allow them, you know, say they, they won the East, and do you think they would allow them to represent the East in the Big Ten Championship and then go on to play in the playoff and allow that and then <sighs> later just strip them of any of those victories or the victory, and then and then what happens then? Then does if Iowa makes it to the, or does the West representative by default become yes. the champion? I guess that would be the uh, case if that so. scenario plays out the way you just described it. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, the, a new T-shirt. Yeah, so, it, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I was thinking. So, okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. That's, you bet. Uh, hey, thanks. Yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty sure. My prediction. I think Michigan's going to be allowed to. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll. I just don't see them taking that aggressive of a stand during the season. Uh-uh. But I'm also not convinced Harbaugh is going to be back next season because, like I said, this is he's already had the three game recruiting suspension. Yeah. I mean, yes. he's. Pushing the envelope here for conduct, and whether you're a Michigan fan or not, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of the Michigan fans are downplaying it, saying that you know you're well, innocent, you're innocent until pro- yeah, any fan base would be yeah. doing that, yeah. and you are innocent until proven guilty. But there does seem to be a lot of evidence, and it seems the general consensus in the Big Ten is they want them to be punished because I think the Big Ten coaches and ads have convinced themselves part of the reason Michigan has been so good since the start of last season. Or the actually since the start of the twenty one season is because they have an unfair advantage. I think they're trying to figure out why they've been able to take. Remember Harbaugh; they've been always pretty good under Harbaugh, but they haven't been elite until just recently, and that's also the time frame for this stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle well, it. Well, Donnie had an interesting answer. He did. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, a, I thought it was a good answer. And he, you know, Don's obviously got great perspective because he's a former head coach. He's a former coordinator. He knows how much that stuff can impact games. So we shall see. But, I, yeah, I'm just not convinced Harbaugh's going to be back next year. And if he's not, God, who's the next Michigan head coach? Jamie Morris. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure Jamie would love the would love the pay that is involved yeah, in that. Yeah, I'm sure he would. But, I mean, it'll, like I said, it will be interesting to see how this plays out. Michigan right now, to me, looks like the best team in the conference. They look a little bit more rounded than Ohio State. They do. Ohio State, well, and Donnie alluded to it, too. Their quarterback isn't up no, to the Ohio State He's a standards. former five-star recruit, but he's not mobile. He's not near the runner. And, God, you saw what that former Ohio State quarterback, or if you didn't, I did. I mean, he drove um, C.J. Stroud. He yeah. drove the Texans to victory over the Buccaneers. They drove like 85 yards in like less than a minute. Just made pinpoint. He threw for 470 yards and five touchdowns yesterday. The rookie from Ohio State. Yeah, it's the yeah. most by a rookie quarterback ever. He looks incredible. That's what Ohio State's been used to having. They don't have that now. Mm, they they don't. just don't. But I'll tell you what, Travion Henderson being healthy is huge for them because he is a huge really, difference. Really. There's a reason he was a five star, yeah. number one running back in the country as a recruit. Hello? 
Hello. Um, talking about uh, the replacement for our offensive coordinator, um, you know, Iowa was supposed to be a development program, mm-hmm. and, you know, for the past two or three quarterbacks, just haven't seen very much development. Stanley developed a little, but not a lot. And Petrus certainly had his problems, but didn't seem to get a whole lot better. So, you know, okay, fair it enough. seems to me that Iowa has failed, at least in the quarterback situation. Well, and I wrote, my column was they have to, I think they need to get a coordinator who's experienced with coaching and developing quarterbacks. Doesn't necessarily have to be a former quarterback himself, but somebody who's risen as a quarterback coach. To me, that's what they need, because even C.J. Beathard didn't develop. He was, I mean, all injuries, everyone says, well, if he was as hurt as he was, supposedly in 16, then why did he play every game? He yeah. was not near as good in 16 as he was in 15. No, he wasn't. Stanzi was good, but he wasn't, I don't think he was any better as a senior than he was as a junior. The developmental stuff is a concern. It's a legitimate concern with the quarterback position. Yeah, it just didn't seem as though Stanley really, he developed some, but not a lot. He was he was okay throughout his run. He he put up, compared to what we've seen the last few quarterbacks, he put up uh, video game numbers, though. But you could say that about almost any Iowa quarterback compared to what's going on now. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, I mean, Scott Mullen threw for almost 500 yards in a game one time. Think about that for yeah. a terrible team. So, yeah, and I'm with you. I think they need to address the lack of development in quarterbacks. Yeah, it just doesn't seem as though their current situation is going to get a whole lot better. But, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe it will. Well, I mean, they are. I mean, she's taking an aggressive stand by telling Brian Ferentz to move on. So it'll be interesting to see who Kirk can get. I mean, yeah. if he if he just promotes Budmeier, I mean, I. I that would be very uninspiring. Certainly but it would not be surprising. Base. No. It would not surprise me at all. No. Yeah. Any guesses as to who's going to come in? Uh, no, at this stage, no. I mean, you can always throw names out there, but I How haven't. How about uh, uh, Paul Christ? You'd be interested that's in the that? Name, that's that name. Hell, I wrote about that last year saying he, yeah. he would definitely fit the mindset. He would. I mean, Wisconsin fans wanted him gone because they said he was boring and predictable and stale on offense. Yeah. <laughs> he was a great offensive coordinator, though, but those were great teams. Yeah, at the end, he was not a great coordinator because the teams weren't that good. And they were boring and predictable. Yeah, so how much of that is... Uh, recruiting and how much of it so is. it's a lot of things. Yeah, it's a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. No, I think definitely you don't want to single out the players, but I definitely think talent's part of it. I mean, I'm sure it is, and sure it is. it's a it's a combination of things. So, so maybe swing on swing and a miss on as far as uh, uh, you know, judge uh, judging on who to offer. Yeah, I mean it's. It's all I know is Deacon Hill was headed to Fordham before he committed to Iowa, and that's pretty telling. I'm not trying to knock Deacon, but he didn't have a lot of suitors. No. He just didn't. And Iowa gave him a chance, and he came in here, and now he's number two, or number, well, number one now, but number two in the, and ahead of, he moved right ahead of somebody who'd been in the program for three years, which I don't know what that signifies. I don't know. It also says something else about development, doesn't it? And I guess either that or recruiting. Hello. Hey, guys. I wanted to throw something out there that I read this morning. Um, on an article, I don't even know how the hell I came across it, but it said uh, "nightmare for Cornhusker fans," and I clicked on it because I liked I'd like them to be living a nightmare constantly. <laughs> and, and this article goes on to say that the biggest nightmare 
for a Husker fan would be, and the best landing spot for Scott Frost would be offensive coordinator at Iowa <sighs> and to roll into Lincoln and just smoke them. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, that would be, a it would be quite a story. I don't sure see it happening, but it'd be no. quite a story. Um, the, the other thing, I listened to a podcast Saturday night when Don Patterson is on there, uh-huh. and Don did not say, like, this should be the guy, um, but Don did bring this name up and knows him as a grad assistant for him at Western Illinois and uh, the, the offense coordinator at Kansas. Yeah, he brought him up yes. today. Yes, he did. Yeah, he brought him up did today. He? Okay, so, yeah. I, I must have missed that. A lot will depend um, on what kind of relationship this guy has with Kirk. and if I mean, it's it's just hard to read where Kirk's going to go with this right now. When you watch them, and I mean, the the thing about Kansas is, man, every play, someone's in motion going this way, Well, that they've also way, got mobile quarterbacks. Their top two quarterbacks have been mobile, too. And Don brought that up a couple times today. Mm-hmm. Iowa's lack of mobility at quarterback prevents them like when I asked him about spreading four rides out to empty the box a little bit, he brought up right away, well, it's not as easy to do when your quarterback can't run. Deacon can't run. He's not. Now, when, very... you watch, when you watch the, and I obviously it's, it's, a, it's a highlight film from high school and whatever, that, and he's a freshman and I doubt he's ever going to play. But the line is, kid, if he grasps the offense, that he, he was pretty mobile in his He was. He's not a dual threat, me. but he's probably more mobile than Deacon, Deacon Hill. Deacon or, or Petrus. Yeah, but he was yeah. not a dual threat. But yeah, he can. Stanley. I think he can. He can. He can extend plays a little bit. I would think. I mean, and there's. I don't know what that guy is getting paid at Kansas, but with Big Ten money and whatever, you should be able to. This job should not be a job that would be hard to find somebody. I mean, obviously, as long as Kirk says it's your way, my hands are well, off. Well, but see, therein lies the problem. Kirk's going to not. He's not going to let a coordinator come in here and completely revamp his offense in year twenty six. I just don't see that happening. He's just going to want to bring a coordinator in to try to make his offense work because I think Kirk's still convinced that his offense works under the right circumstances. So we'll see. Also, um, and when it does come time when Kirk's gone, I mean, I don't think the Iowa job is just going to be, you know, hire anybody. I mean, there'll be a list of people that are going to be interested in this. And I mean, for sure. Yeah. I mean, mean, it ain't going to be like Mark Farley or Terry Allen. No, but it's also not going to be Urban Meyer, and I mean it's it's going to have some limits. Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh. That's going to have some limits to it too. All right, guys, have a good one. Yep. Hey, thanks for the call. What did you think about um, Sean Lewis getting uh, prime demoting him in the middle of the season? I thought that was a little weird. Aren't they averaging like forty points a game? Yeah, and they they brought and they promoted Pat Shermer, who was a bust in the NFL as a head coach. So, yeah, Dion, you know he's the boss. So. It'll be interesting, but I'm actually hearing Sean Lewis's name for some possible head coaching jobs that may open. I believe he was the head coach at Kent. Was he at Kent, Kent State? State? Yes. And then they played here. They did. And their offense was actually somewhat innovative. He's got a good reputation. He I, does. I'm not sure. Maybe Dion's kid, the quarterback's not happy. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Dion wears his emotions on his sleeve. He's very transparent. He, if he doesn't like something, he's going to make a change. Well, Sean Lewis is real young, isn't he? I don't. My guess Make is he's probably somewhere to, between thirty-five yes. and forty-five. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to us, that's real young. Yes. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah, that was an unusual move. But Colorado, they're struggling a little bit right yeah. now, and um, but I still think Dion's going to get it done there. And a lot will depend. It'll be interesting to see how long his kid stays. His kid is a good quarterback. Yes, he is. He's a much better quarterback than I gave him credit for playing he's at a lower 37. level. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Okay. So yeah, that's young. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, Brian Ferentz is forty. 
he turned 40 in this past March. So, um, but yeah, that was an unusual move. But now the way things are now, there's so much immediacy with some, I mean, I, nothing really surprises me anymore. The way, uh, the way things are now. I mean, nothing. Yeah. But I don't, I mean, Kirk even said when we asked him last week, the high, finding a replacement for Brian is low on his list of priorities. At least that's what he's saying publicly. Maybe behind the scenes he's working on it. But I think Kirk is more focused on trying to win as many games as he can with Brian Stone. Well, and I, I hope that is his focus. Yeah, I and I mean, you can also, focus. you can multitask. Sure. My guess is he will. I, I just don't think he wants to play that narrative out publicly, and that's fine. That's his prerogative. No, I wouldn't if I were him. No. But I don't think there's going to be just a great, huge list of innovative coordinators lining up for this job for a number of reasons. Unless they get some sort of, well, Kirk couldn't give them an, an assurance of being a head coach in waiting. Yeah, no, you don't want to do that. Unless it, no, that, I, I wouldn't see that. Um, unless you've got somebody who's a proven head coach, but why would a proven head coach want to be the offensive coordinator at Iowa? Yeah, I don't see that. I I don't see that happening. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he. But there's a number of things working against him. Kirk will be 69 next year. There's this reputation that his offense is what it is, and it's not going to change. You're going to do what he says, and you're going to have to try to make it work. That might not be appealing to some. No, you're right. So, but I'm I'm hoping they can get somebody in here that can make it work. But to me, if you want it to work like it did in 2002, you better start trying to find more mobile quarterbacks. I, I just think that's one area where they have just refused to adapt to. When they had Brad Banks, I mean, it worked great. And they did try for a little bit after Brad Banks to fee, to kind of take advantage of his success. They Remember, they signed mm-hmm. Eric McCollum. They, they went after some dual-threat quarterbacks. They didn't work, but the game has evolved so much even since Brad Banks to where Iowa just, to me, shoots itself in the foot by having him Immobile quarterbacks. It just makes it so much harder to play in this day and age. Yeah, and Arville Nelson was another guy, wasn't he? Yeah, but he he was yeah he but he wasn't a I wouldn't call him like he was more he was taller he could run a little bit, but I remember I remember they tried to recruit Rod Wilson out of South Carolina. He ended up going to South Carolina and was a good linebacker, but they wanted him as a dual threat quarterback. I thought Eric McCollum was going to be good when I watched him play. I thought he looked the part. And it just didn't happen. I mean, remember, he had to play injuries. He played against Michigan. But he ended up playing receiver at Iowa. Then he transferred down to a lower level and actually did okay as a quarterback. I mean, they did try. I mean, Chris Leak wasn't a dual threat, but compared to Deacon Hill, he was. and Iowa had a chance for him. He was down to Iowa and Florida. So they did try to take advantage of the, of the Brad Banks' success, but they just kind of moved on from that. But it just seems like there's so many times I watch teams play, the play breaks down. Hey, look, the quarterback just gained nine because he's, he's can make people miss. Iowa just does not have that. No. Stanley wasn't that. Petrus wasn't that. Tate was a little bit. Bethard could move some. But they just don't have that now, and it just makes it harder. It just makes everything more difficult. It does. And that, that's the thing. I mean, watching – 11 hours basically of football Saturday you see so many different things and I mean the difference between the Iowa Northwestern game and yeah. the USC Washington it's like two game, different sports it, it, that's what we were it's saying it's like they're playing two different sports okay. it's just bizarre were you watching uh with my account or with your different which account? game uh Iowa your account was it pixelating no Okay. Well, <laughs> Thanks a lot sooner. <laughs> yeah, because we were downstairs. I just computer tracked it. I, I had the play-by-play up and was taking notes so I could write. I wanted to get something up, but I didn't actually see it on TV, and, and I've been told I didn't miss much. 
that well, it was not it much was there the, from an entertainment yeah, value. Yeah, oh. I mean, they're not a fun team to watch, no, but they're still seven no, and two. No. And Kirk's not really paid to entertain. Some people argue against that, saying that he's paid to win football games. He's won seven out of nine. They're not a fun team to watch. I mean, offensively, they're sure not. I mean, and you know, defense is fun to watch too. It's not the same as offense. Nope, it's just not. But yeah, defense and special teams—they're great, and that's the reason they're seven and two, and leading the West. I mean, they're leading the West, and man, look at this weather. Hard to believe basketball starts tonight. It's going to be 70 degrees. <laughs> yeah. We got, bas- we got a women's game to start, and then Fran has a press conference at 145, and it's 70 out. Yeah. The thing I saw on my TV tracker said it was going to be 71 today. Uh, this says 68. I get see Caitlin Clark tonight. That'll 64 be fun. right now here. It's 64 already? Yeah, wow. 64, and let's. I'll probably have to mow my yard one more time. 63 on the bug. And it gets up to 68. Yeah, this is already November 6th, isn't it? Yeah. Hi. Hey there. Yeah, for uh, basketball tonight, so Big Ten Plus, I I have it. But my question is, I've never had to exercise this option if it is an option. Can you record on Big Ten Plus? Um, No, but but they archive them pretty quickly. Would they do what quickly? They archive so you can watch oh. them again. Uh, you know, a couple hours later. Usually, it takes them a couple hours to get the to get the game oh, up. Only the same day then. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it's the next day, but yeah, sometimes it's pretty quick. All right, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the call. Yeah, and the women's wrestling team won their first. I've, they beat Stroud. Was, wasn't it just a, 40, like eight forty-three to one? Oh, yes. Yeah. How do you was, get one point? I I don't know. There must have been. I don't know. If I, um, but yeah, it was a good start for them, and then they had the, what they had eight place winners at the East Stroudsburg thing the, the day after. Yeah. The men destroyed California as they should, uh, forty to nothing in their season opener. So yeah, winter sports is here, despite what you're looking at outside. Even though it's seventy degrees. Yeah, and I'm not complaining. No, USC didn't drop out of the top twenty-five. I think they did. Yeah. Well, they should. Their yeah. defense is horrible, and they fired their defensive coordinator. Yeah. Well, I mean, their defense is just it's pathetic. It's just so strange because, I mean, Iowa's got this world-class defense and just uh, – Oh, God, if you put Iowa's defense and special teams with USC's offense, you've got a oh, potential t- national champion. Would, oh, absolutely. Uh, that team would compete with Georgia. That team would compete with all those. Hello. Hello. How Hello. are you doing today? Good. Uh, okay. Good. Hey, Tommy, tell me uh, you know everything about uh, – Hawkeye stuff over there, and every shoulder is fat. Sure. Steve, uh, sure I was I looking at everywhere I look in the paper, I see six thirty for that game tonight. Yes. And then uh, I heard Jim say this morning, seven o'clock. You guys know seven o'clock is the men's the game men's tomorrow game. night. It's women's six thirty tonight. Oh, seven o'clock. It's the men's. Yeah, oh, the yeah. men play North Dakota tomorrow in their opener. Yeah, I knew that, but I okay. I heard Jim this morning, and I thought he said the women are playing night. Then I heard 7 o'clock, so I probably missed the communication in there somewhere. Okay. All righty. Yep. Well, yeah. Go, go, Hawkeye women, and there we go. We'll start up with the regular season. The there fun starts. You guys, you guys are sounding good, as usual. Well, and thank you. Informative, I should say. So, yeah. See ya. All right. Thanks. Guy threw Hunter under the bus. I am not paid to entertain. Yeah, the LSU women uh, won, won their last exhibition by 80-plus points. 
I just don't think that team's good for women's basketball. <laughs> and it, maybe they won't win it, but it's going to take some doing for them not to. It sure is. Without, Hello. Now, injuries could always change that. For the perfect tailgate playlist on game day. Simply ask your device. Hello. Hey, we have another radio show calling in. Yeah. Okay. What the hell was that? What was that? that? I don't know. Yeah, that was funny. So was that a was that I have no was that idea. a bit from we, somebody? We don't I don't know what it is. I, I don't mean, either. You look at me like I'm supposed. No, to... No, I don't have my glasses on, so I'm just staring forward. I'm not really looking at you at all. What's wrong with me? I'm not really. Look, I'm just looking forward. Got a new haircut, and I don't have my sunglasses on. And I got my new glasses, but I left them at home because I. It's sunny. I don't need them. But man, I can. When I put my new glasses on, I was yeah. like, "Oh my god, I can't believe what I'd been watching for the last eight years." <laughs> I mean, it was just night and day. I can see so. I can sit across the room and read the tiny little print on my TV now, from like twenty feet away. I mean, I can't believe I waited that long. To, if anyone listening out there, don't abuse your eyes like I did. So, two for, or future Big Ten members, both UCLA and USC. Drop out of the top 25? Yeah, I didn't think UCLA's that No, good. they're not. They're really not. But USC's offenses. You know, it's just so weird. Caleb Williams, I saw him play a, a half of football this year. He had six touchdowns in, in the first half. Mm -hmm. And then I saw him a couple weeks later. I think it was against uh, Notre Dame. And he was not good against Notre Dame. He was Dame. terrible. Yeah. And then Notre Dame's defense gets shredded by, by a what a four and four or five and four Clemson team. Yeah. yeah, I was very disappointed in Notre Dame's defense. And like I said, the Hartman, the, the Hartman quarterback addition just has not worked. He's just not been that good. And Notre Dame is seven and three, and they're not going to be a factor at all at the end of the year. No, it'll be interesting. This will be Marcus Freeman will be going into his third year. The pressure is going to start building on him because to me he doesn't have as long a leash because he's never been a head coach before. I think they took a risk. Took a shot with him. They've given him a chance. I think you got to at least give him one more year. But I've not. Is this been, year three or two? This is year two, I believe. And last year they lost. They went nine and four last year. So he's lost seven games. He's he's lost um, seven games since the start of last year. And I mean, for a lot of schools, that's enough. Notre Dame, that's not enough. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. So. But yeah, we have our friend uh, Fran. I just was reminded of it. I forgot all about it. Fran McCaffrey press conference in a little over two hours to to talk about the season opener against North Dakota. And um, it's weird because it's almost like the men are being overshadowed by the, they are. the women. There's hardly any discussion about the men Isn't right now. Isn't that interesting? Well, it's just an unusual dynamic caused by mostly by Caitlin Clark and the success from last year. Do we still have the tickets? The, we have one set of men's basketball tickets for season tickets for sale. Yes, we do. Yeah. And you're Save asking, you 300 bucks. How, how much are you asking? Uh, four hundred, and they're normally like seven fifty. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, that's a good deal. Yeah, yeah, and that is what? How many? Like eighteen, nineteen home games? Uh, seventeen maybe. Well, there's maybe eighteen. There's obviously ten Big Ten. I think it's roughly around. You, you seven, might be right. I think it's around eighteen. That's you know that's a, that's a lot of games to watch. Yeah. So, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we mentioned: field hockey, soccer. mentioned soccer. Did you watch any of the soccer? I I thought about it, but no. We I watched a little bit of it. I mean, it, it, like I said, I'm not a huge soccer fan. No. But the fact that it was Iowa, 
I was really pulling for him. The fact that we had just interviewed Macy, I mean, that made it, I felt sort of an attachment to that team a little bit because I know she really appreciated. She started following me on Twitter, if you can believe that. No, she was really She was fun. Good. And, I mean, another shutout. They're playing real well. And I, I, I've always enjoyed having Coach Diani on the radio. Yeah, he's good. He's done a good job there, yeah. So, if they could just get that volleyball program going. But I know that's so much easier said than done because the Big Ten is so good in volleyball. Someone has uh, refused our offer to uh, uh, share Southern Justin. Has refused our offer. Is that Brahma Camp? <laughs> I'll talk to him tomorrow. I he think has refused our offer. Uh, refused it. Todd. So what will he do if Southern Justin calls in with menus for Cedar Avenue? You're telling me Todd's going to shut him down? He's going to shut him down. Wow, censorship. Yeah, that's what it is. Cancel it's censorship. Culture. Cancel culture. Well, you camp. can't actually consider it culture. Culture, but he's canceling something. <laughs> yeah. Cedar Rapids, LaSalle. Those kids eat up there. Todd knows that. Todd's kid is in school. Southern Justin could be letting Todd know what his kid's eat. Yeah. Cedar Rapids, Kennedy Cougars, hot dog with bun, mac cheese, chili crispito, and fruit cup. <laughs> yeah. I'm hungry. So are no, we done? It would be fruit cup with cheese. Are we done? I want to go home. <laughs> I want to leave. I felt like that at eight thirty. Yeah, but this is this last is you. night. <laughs> oh, uh, at eight thirty this morning today, you felt like that? Yeah. No, this was a. I always enjoy talking to yes. Don. I've re- reached out to Matt Weichel about trying to get Clarissa Chun on Wednesday because actually it was Lance that brought it up. Like their home openers coming up. Yeah. I've been told they've sold only 3,500 tickets or roughly, so hopefully we can help spread the word. Yeah. Because, But I'll get let you know. I mean, but Clarissa, if you're listening, you have an, op, an invitation to come on Wednesday's show. And Matt will – I'll talk to Matt about it today, see if there's any chance, That'd and I'll let great. you guys know. Good. All right. That would be real good. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, Molly Suter is next. HawkFanatic.com. Check it out. It's free.